Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. We're going to begin this series today in the book of Nehemiah. And this book, which I hope you have read at least at some point, and maybe even in the last few weeks as I was encouraging you all to, is a journey, really. It's a journey from devastation to celebration. And if you look at the first chapter, which we've just heard read from Simon, we see this sense of devastation. And if you go right to the end of Nehemiah, you'll see a great celebration. And on this journey, the book is about rebuilding. Now, I just want to set your expectations. Some of you will be relieved. Some of you will be disappointed. This series is not uh, going to be all about our redevelopment project. Uh, this book, whilst it is about the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem, perhaps even more so, is about the rebuilding of God's community, worshippers of God. So this is the journey we're going to be on this morning as we travel through chapter one. So this journey from devastation to celebration, where do we begin? I don't know about you, but if if I look at the news at the moment, the headlines, it is quite overwhelming. There's stories, of course, about COVID, poverty, war, injustice, corruption, the list goes on. And I do feel overwhelmed at times. Certainly when I look at the news, I have to discipline myself not to look at it too often because it just can become too much. And we end up thinking, where do we begin? Can, can I, can you really make a difference as we look out at all the needs and the problems in our world? Well, the book of Nehemiah reminds us that with God, we can always make a difference. You can make a difference with God. And it usually begins with a stirring in our hearts, a burden to want to get involved, a a desire to want to speak out and make a difference. Some have called it in the past a holy discontent. It's that sense of unease with what is and a desire for things to be different for the glory of God. Think for a moment about Martin Luther King and all that he did to fight against racial injustice in the USA. Think about Nelson Mandela standing up to oppression during apartheid years in South Africa. Think about Elizabeth Fry in this country and prison reform in the 19th century. All of them were followers of Jesus and all of them began that journey with a sense of burden, of a desire to want to make a difference for the glory of God. This was definitely true for Nehemiah. Now, to understand this story of Nehemiah, we need to come to grips with, with some of the context, the background. So we need to know a little bit more about the temple. The temple that we read about in Nehemiah plays a key part in the story of what God was doing at this time. The temple was built as this vast, majestic structure that existed to bring glory and honour to God. That's what this building is for. I mean, those of you here, look up. It is an amazing structure, hundreds of years old. And that's what we're doing with the redevelopment project. It is all to bring glory and honour 
to God. But 400 years after King Solomon built the temple, the soldiers from Babylon marched into the city and they destroyed the whole thing, the temple, the walls, the city. And they marched God's people out of the city and were taken into exile in Babylon. It was a desperate situation. It was devastation, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And God's people were in exile for 125 years. You know, we we think we've had a tough time and we have with COVID. 125 years they were in exile. And then 50 years just before the time of Nehemiah, Ezra the priest went back to Jerusalem with 50,000 believers and they began to rebuild the temple. But they were stopped short of rebuilding the walls around the city, around Jerusalem. So enter Nehemiah. Who is this man? Well, he's not a king. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He is a regular guy who, whose heart was open to God, to be used by God. And that is what we read about here in this first chapter. We read in chapter one that Hanani, one of his brothers, came, comes to visit Nehemiah in Susa to tell him about the state of the walls. And in verse four, as Simon just read to us, Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. On this journey from devastation to celebration, what happens first for Nehemiah is he is filled with compassion. His heart is deeply moved. I always remember four years ago here at Greyfriars and we were in the beautiful porter cabin that still just about exists in the car park and Gemma Thomas who was part of our congregation came into the porter cabin it was during the the height of the refugee crisis being in our headlines and she walked into the porter cabin with tears streaming down her cheeks and she said David we've got to do something we have to do something And it was that combined with Simon Porter who gave our reading this morning who in a PCC meeting said what am I going to say to my grandchildren when they ask me Grandad what did you do during that crisis to help those in need? And it was as Simon and Gemma were filled with this compassion that we realised we've got to do something about this crisis. The man that God used here in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah to do something to rebuild these walls and perhaps more importantly to rebuild God's community of believers. Not only heard about the need, but he felt the need. He wept and he prayed and he fasted for days. He couldn't get it out of his mind. God used this burden within him for action. Nehemiah wasn't even in Jerusalem at the time. He was in Susa. And Susa was a place of wealth and luxury. You know, life was comfortable for Nehemiah. 
He was doing okay there, working for the king. But God stirred his heart. And so I want to ask all of us this morning, what is God stirring your heart for? What is your holy discontent? What are those things or that thing that makes you want to stand up and speak out and make a difference for the kingdom of God? What is the cause that moves you to tears? It might be the ongoing refugee crisis that has sort of disappeared from the headlines. It might be homelessness. It might be institutional racism or corruption in this country or another. The needs are endless and we don't have to respond to them all ourselves. We can't do that. But we do need to discern what God is calling us to, what God is calling you to. I've realised that for me, part of the answer is he is giving me a burden for the spiritual state of this nation. You know, we've spent a year and a half, rightly so, focusing on the physical health of our nation. But what about the spiritual health? I think we're probably in a worse state spiritually than we are physically, but it's never spoken about. In his book, The Death of Christian Britain, Callum Brown writes this about the loss of our Christian identity. He says, as historical changes go, this has been no lingering and drawn out affair. It took several centuries to convert Britain to Christianity, but it's taken less than 40 years for the country to forsake it. The UK has turned its back on God. We need missionaries to come in from overseas to this country to preach the gospel and to show us what the kingdom of God really looks like. It's quite right that the former Bishop of Reading, who is now the Archbishop of York, is casting a vision that the Church of England would be a Jesus-shaped church and a mission-focused church. That's what we need to be here at Greyfriars as well. This country has followed the same road as those around Nehemiah and turned away from God. And Nehemiah's response to this is to pray. So he has compassion and then he prays. He sees the enormity of the problem that they're facing. But he doesn't just stay focused on that problem because if we do that if we just look at the problems around us we will be overwhelmed but Nehemiah in this prayer in chapter one turns his eyes to the even greater nature of God and it's not just a two-minute prayer we know that looking at the beginning of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two that Nehemiah prays for four months before he goes to the king and this is the first of nine prayers that Nehemiah prays that the people of God pray in this book. They are serious about prayer. In verse nine, if you have a look with me, Nehemiah remembers the words God spoke to Moses. I will bring my people to the place 
that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. You know, the name of God really matters. Honouring God's name really matters. It's etched in this wall behind me here in the commandments. Verse 11, Nehemiah prays on behalf of God's servants who love to revere God's name. It's about worship. You know, we are all created by God to worship God. The truth is that we all, everyone in this church and outside this church across Reading and beyond, worship someone or something. The problem we have is that many people in this nation now choose to worship wealth and fame and intellect and success and possessions and careers, not God. This is what Nehemiah sees as he looks out. People are worshipping other things and other people. He acknowledges the problem is sin. It's a turning away from God. And so he prays, I confess our sins. We've acted wickedly against you. Not obeyed the commands that you gave Moses. Nehemiah sees that sin is the root problem. And in fact, nothing has changed. Sin is the root problem today. Every problem we see in this world can either be traced back to the sin of individuals, that's why we have wars and corruption and injustice, or can be traced back to the original sin of Adam and Eve. That's why we have disease and death in this world. The Bible is clear that sin is the problem and repentance is the antidote. Verse nine, God says, if you return to me, and we have the privilege of standing this side of the cross, knowing that it is only through Jesus, only through Jesus, that we can be forgiven. The greatest need for humanity is forgiveness. So Nehemiah prays, focusing in part on the problem, the sin, but also on the greatness of God. And so in this amazing prayer in chapter one, we are reminded that God is sovereign. God is mighty. God is holy. God is loving. God is faithful. God speaks today. God is attentive and God is merciful. He forgives. Through Jesus, we can move from devastation to celebration. And if you're here today or watching online and you are facing a challenging situation, look up to God. Look up to God now. Remember God's sovereignty. Hear God's truth in scripture. And know God's mercy and love in your life. Worship him with all your heart. And I don't just mean singing songs. Worshipping God is so much more than singing. It's about us adoring God, praising him throughout the entirety of our lives. It's about immersing ourselves in scripture. 
It's about spending time with other believers and serving the poor. Because as we do these things, we see Jesus and our perspective changes. Nehemiah has compassion, he prays, and finally, and crucially, he follows God's call upon his life. How many times have you and I seen something devastating on the news or heard something going on around us? We're filled with compassion. We might pray, but do we do anything about it? I realise more and more that sometimes the answer to our prayers is us. We are the answer to our prayers in terms of a change of heart, a change of perspective, a, a willingness to step forward and actually make a difference. It's about faith in action. It is amazing what God has done through many of you and the refugee project that began with those conversations, that stirring of the heart through Gemma and Simon and others. I was thinking this weekend about Tuesday Special, that ministry that was birthed here through the Parkers, reaching out to people with additional needs. Bed for the Night, the homeless outreach across Reading between different churches. Love your neighbour that's been going on. Some of you feeding those in need during the pandemic. When Nehemiah hears about the state of Jerusalem and the dishonour to God's name, he is compelled to do something about it. He cannot just sit still in Susa and carry on with life as normal. He leaves the comfort and the luxury of that place and he begins to mobilise God's people so that, and this is the crucial bit, so that God's name can be honoured again. I want to challenge all of you, me as well. Do not throw your life away chasing the false dream of wealth and intellect and success. Instead, dedicate your lives to seeing the name of Jesus lifted high again in this nation and in the nations. Ask God to give you compassion for whatever it is that he wants to do in and through you. Pray and then go and do whatever he says. Go wherever he calls you. This is the way that the kingdom of God is built and this is the way that the local church becomes the hope for the world. We're going to respond in prayer now. And I think you cannot read a passage of scripture like this and not repent. And so we're going to pray a prayer of repentance together. Justin's going to bring it up on the screen. And I encourage you to stand if you're able. We're going to pray these words out loud together. We can't sing together, but we can pray out loud together. And then we're going to return to worship. And we pray these words as Nehemiah did, as individuals, as families, on behalf of the people of Reading, 
We pray them on behalf of the people of the United Kingdom. And we pray these words on behalf of this world. Because we are all together sinful and we all together need the grace of God and God's forgiveness. So let's pray out loud together these words. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have wandered and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things that we ought to have done. And we have done those things that we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But you, O Lord, have mercy upon us sinners. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may live a disciplined, righteous and godly life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Father, we do pray that prayer that through our repentance, as we seek your forgiveness as individuals, as your church and as your people across this country and beyond, that you would cleanse us, that you would revive us and Lord, through us, you would glorify your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.